Hi, welcome to Tent Talks, everyone. I'm here with Liz. Hey, everyone. And Liz's daughter, Mariah. What's up? So, Mariah, we love to start with a check-in, and we just basically drop into our bodies, breathe for a minute, and say how we're feeling, just to get grounded for the podcast. I'll start, and then we'll pass on to you guys. I am feeling a little bit of anxiety, maybe, and I'm feeling that I kind of have like the jitters, maybe, is a good word. I just feel like I'm jumping out of my skin. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if that's stemming from anxiety or just chaotic energy. But that's where I am. So I'm yeah. to counter that, I'm taking a lot of deep breaths and trying to listen to myself and speak more mindfully. Yeah. Well, something I noticed too that I always have to remind myself, is this coming from me or am I a reflective? Am I mirroring some energy around me? You know, but mm-hmm. I always have to totally. check in with that. This weekend's been really rough for me, and I really did question whether or not it was a good weekend to podcast, and I was really thinking about just tapping out. And I think it's important for us to feel like we can do that in our lives when we're not functioning and things are too much. But I also felt like it was a moment where I got regrounded. I actually was able to talked to Mariah yesterday a little bit and she helped me process and other people in my support system and just taking that space. And I feel like I was in a place where I could talk about it and I wanted to be real and share with people what depression and trauma feels like in my body because it's so fresh for me. And some things I've been noticing when I really interact with it and allow it to be experienced are things like fatigue, brain fog, headache, like it feels like this detoxing headache just kind of all day. I get things like blurry vision, maybe some people hear like ear ringing. I've noticed that a little bit. I get this very unusual tingling and vibrating sense in my teeth and jaw. Sometimes just, yeah, this kind of like heavy heavy feeling through my body, maybe achiness. And it does feel terrible. It does. And it's not a fun physical or emotional place to be in. But I've noticed when I really lean into that, it passes more quickly. I can let it out. I get to like allow myself waves of tears and anger and things like that and vent those things. And it helps me move it through. And so I wanted to share that with everyone that we can be human and not every day is a good day. And we have those waves of trauma and extreme low points. And I feel like the past week or so, I don't know, for lack of better words, I've just been feeling like dazed and confused, just wandering through life, just days go by. But I think you you helped me realize a lot that... Yeah, that trauma, you know, whether you want it to or not, will manifest itself. It will come out and, and yeah, just lean into it. Maybe I don't even know what it is. I can't, it's hard to identify sometimes, but, you know, just, okay, you know, this is not my month so far. Um, (laughs) I'm just tired all the time, but hey, it is what it is and embracing it, right? So, 
Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really obvious that we're all kind of experiencing the same thing. So possibly the collective is also, I mean, we're at the brink of a war, a war is happening Mm -hmm. on a global scale, we're all aware of it because of the age of information. And yet we're walking around and trying to get on with our days. And there is an insanity. Mm -hmm. And I think we're all feeling that it's like, what, what's got to give we've, we're just getting the pandemic like kind of behind us. I mean, not really, but at least people aren't as heavily sick and in the hospital and dying, but that we still have all the other repercussions to deal with and then a war. And (laughs) so that's pretty weird Mm -hmm. that we're all just alive and walking and moving through it. But Liz, I really liked what you had to say about our body is built to handle stress response And our body is really wise, and it does know what to do. And there's a whole nervous system that manages stress and takes us through. And you do have to lean into it. And that is really hard. And sometimes there comes a place of breakdown when your body doesn't have anything left, like the reserves are not there. And so the more in tune you can be with your body, the more you'll know what to do. Yeah. Well, and it takes that listening too. I mean, you have to be comfortable enough to step out of your routine. And a lot of our conditioning is, oh, I should move. I should go work out. I should go get stuff done and take my mind off it. Right. That's kind Mm -hmm. of the conditioning is to busy yourself and, and distract yourself. And I've learned the only way to move it that effectively is to stop. Yeah. And some tips I use are, yeah, soaking in a hot tub. You know, I have a infrared mat. I think I've talked to you about Stacy, where I just lay on it and feel the heat and let it radiate through my body and slow me down, be still with it, let myself emote, listen to music that helps me kind of emote it out. Mm-hmm those things. Well, if we talk about the basic stress responses of fight, flight, freeze, there's also fawning. But just fighting would be got to work out, got to, you know, do something really physical, run, you know, like do something. Not everybody has the fight within them. And sometimes more of these freeze mentalities of like resting and doing things that restore the body are what is required. Yeah. I think we even challenge that fight flight response, you know, and I think my freeze response is I go avoidant, you know, Mm -hmm. and maybe then I'm more likely to have these spells of like dissociation and, you know, again, just, I don't know, walking around in a daze. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I can't re-engage. Right. Well, sometimes like, (laughs) I feel like I just want to freeze and it's like, fuck, people are dying and I've got to freaking go to work? What the hell? (laughs) I want, I just want to freeze and and should I call out sick? I I don't know. I don't know what I need to do. And yeah, just listening to your, to your body. I mean, it's, it's hard to freeze sometimes. Sometimes it feels like you can't, but you can even take, taking those moments, like you said, just out of your day, like, oh, I'm just going to soak in the tub or just lay on the floor, like five minutes, I'm just going to freeze, you know? 
instead of the like what's wrong with me there's a good reason why my body feels this heavy yeah you know yes self-validation and and then just doing something i think women know this with like parenting and managing a house and a job and all the like you really have to carve out and make five minutes count you know, I've got five minutes, I'm going to take this time for me to do this one thing. And that's kind of how we're all having to live right now. It's just a five minute break at a time where we really totally validate ourselves. And we know that we really need to do that. Yes. Well, thanks for Stacy letting me bring my daughter on. This is really a special episode for me definitely one of my favorite human beings on the planet and I didn't ever want to do something like this unless I could be that honest and even ask for feedback from people that are closest to me and I think that's an important part of our vulnerability and our healing is being able to do that and sit with that so I would love for you, Mariah, to talk a little bit about you and just maybe how you see yourself in the current climate right now, or just being alive at this time. Like what are some of the young people around you and your cohort experiencing and facing? Because I think that's education we could all benefit from. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's got a lot of, got a lot of weight. I mean, especially you know, just talking about myself. I mean, I guess I'll just be brutally honest. Like, (laughs) I don't even know. I don't even feel like I exist. (laughs) That's such a weird statement. But like, yeah, with the current state of our world and just life itself, I don't know. I just, it feels kind of like, again, just kind of going through the motions and I want to maybe be able to do more for for family for my my gosh everyone but you know it's not like i can just head off and fight in the war or anything and it just kind of feels like uh i i don't know i don't really know who i am right now i don't know if i'm really alive or whatever but that's okay <laughs> i think that's really honest and i i think a lot of young people resonate with that yeah Yeah. An invisibility or a powerlessness is, am I putting words in your mouth or is that, that's what I'm hearing. That's, yeah, I have a hard time articulating that, but yeah, yeah, powerlessness especially really resonates. I think, I think we all feel that on a huge level right now, but yeah, especially being the age I am, 22, <laughs> very, very young, but I feel like I'm 22 freaking... 22 and 22. 20, oh. Oh. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> shit, dog. I didn't realize that. Um, yeah. I mean, I tell people my age or something and they're like, oh my gosh, you're, you're so young. And I'm like, I feel like I'm freaking 40. But I guess there's so much pressure. I mean, there's not much I really can do. Like, the most I can do is exist right now. But that's hard. It, it It's hard to feel powerless. Like... I'm not contributing enough. I don't have the power to change the world right now. What do you think maybe the older generations have done to feed into that? It almost feels like 
we left you with this mentality that like you should feel that. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's it's crazy too. The the younger, especially Gen Z, I think are really in, invalidated. Like it's such a weird thing to me that age, especially older generations, will will use age as like you don't know anything. You're just you're just a, when I was a teenager, you don't know anything. You're just a teenager. You, you you don't have any life experience. What are you talking about? You know, like and and that that's such a common thing I think for older generations to do to the younger generations and maybe it's the fear of younger generations surpassing them in in so many ways and um excelling but yeah I think that's that's huge with generation z the zoomers trying to speak out about so many things and initiate change I think we you know it's like well (laughs) You're so young. You don't know what you're talking about, you know? Just readily discrediting, right? Yeah. There's a there's a ease of discrediting with age rather than pausing to reflect, hmm, is there even wisdom in this mm-hmm. response, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, you you know, we kind of judge by the person and their age and their whatever, you know, their place in the hierarchy, right? Yeah, yeah. Totally. I remember during the election, Trump was on his tour and the younger generation, <laughs> the Gen Zers, they all got together online and they bought tickets oh, to yep. sell out to some of his rallies. And it was this first time that I think I really gave credit to the young kids. Cause I was like, no, they have a plan. They're organized and they have platforms and they're doing the thing that I want to be doing. And I was so proud of of how everything got orchestrated and organized. And it wouldn't have been ha- – like, I could have never thought of that. Yeah. And I just love that they were doing that. They were sabotaging on this, like, massive scale. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I knew exactly where you were going yeah. with that when you started talking. Um, it was so creative, too. Yeah. Like, like, you know – it. <laughs> Again, that powerlessness, like, well, what could we do? And then someone's like, hey, let's just buy out all the tickets so that when he shows up, all the seats are empty. You know, <laughs> it's just like, yes, um, I didn't buy any tickets, obviously, but it was so awesome. Like, I just, it was so creative and, and there are ways to make change or, or use your yeah, voice. use your voice and, and yeah, definitely that creativity and. It's it's refreshing. It's fun. <laughs> it was really fun. So let's go over these generational terms because I get lost in them. So we were looking up some of the the names. So we have the greatest generation, which I, I'm sure it goes further back, but they kind of just start with like wars and stuff. But this greatest generation was kind of the turn of the 19th century, 1901 to around 1927. And so... They lived through the Great Depression and was it World War Two? Uh, they fought went in fought. World War Two. Um, I thought. And then we have the Silent Generation, which I had never heard this term before. Have you heard of that, Stacy? I haven't. Where you know it's this really, I think attitude, I, and there's probably some theories and political moves and whatever where this came from but it was really where we went back to this kind of archaic 
children should be seen and not heard. Okay. You know, this kind of like obey your elders. and So maybe my boomer parents were raised by the silent Silent generation. generation. Mm. Absolutely. Uh And then we come the baby boomers, right? Okay, yeah. Yeah. So we can see kind of directly where those mentalities and mindsets kind of come from. And we're still deprogramming that, right? We're still having a hard time. I'm definitely deprogramming staying silent. Yeah. And just respect your elders and... And know your place as a woman. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then we have Gen X, which I consider myself in that, I guess, time frame, 1965 to 1980. Millennials. I'm a millennial. Mm Mm-hmm. What kind of sets apart the millennial generation i feel like the millennials like every time when they were ready to fly something like clipped our wings big time yeah like y2k and then like the economic crash when we were all graduating college and then wow now again like trying to get our careers on you know and then the pandemic so it's like every time we've wanted to do something like adultish like start a career go to college buy a car buy a house it's like no actually and so our our baby boomer parents are like well it wasn't that hard for me all you got to do yeah. is do the and it's like well yeah cuz your house costed like 30 grand. grand yeah <laughs> That'd be so nice. (laughs) If you look at the, you know, this in a grander scheme, it makes so much sense that your generation, yeah, was like carrying this transitional weight, Mm -hmm. you know, that made it limiting. And, but there's still so much hard work that you all or we all, you know, I was right there on the edge, did that maybe we don't get credit for to allow for kind of these younger people. Mm-hmm. to speak out and do their thing, right? As we were talking about earlier. So then we have Gen Zs, which are Zoomers. And I, I love that one person was saying they're more like racially and ethically diverse. Is that what they were saying about it? Ethnically, ethnically sorry. Ethnically, not ethically, but maybe that too. They're digital natives. So you were always alive when there was technology at hand. Yeah, I think the information age, right? Growing up with that information just so readily accessible. Yeah, totally. Kimmy, Kimberly, who does the production, we grew up together and we always talk about we were kind of the last generation outside because we were playing outside all the time. But then we were like, we got to go inside and do our Oregon Trail. And so that's so different from Mariah from you because it was like you kind of maybe even grew up with a an iPad in your hands or access to games and learning and entertainment. And Kimberly really stated it nicely where our generation is the bridge between holding the information from our elders but kind of understanding the technology and some of the newer ways. So I identify as being like a a bridge too. Yeah. All the parents I work with who are kind of in my same age or sometimes, you know, younger, but they've got kids they're raising with this digital immersement. 
we're all like in this question of like, how do we navigate it, right? How do we help our kids navigate it? And a lot of people are clamping down in, in very, very limited screen time or limited this. And, you know, I, I don't have the answer. I'm not claiming ever anyone's doing it right or wrong. But I think we're all just like, how, you know, this big like, whoa, we came from here, but now these kids are here. How do we help them create balance? Mm-hmm. You know, Mariah, how do you feel about limited screen time? Well, how does that register to somebody who was born with a screen? I think that's so funny, especially because I think, yeah, the whole digital nomad thing, you know, I feel grateful that I still was able to like see the growth of technology. And it's funny too, because I think we're kind of like the guinea pigs in that in that sense where our parents were trying to figure out how to balance that. Whereas probably my younger siblings, that's kind of more of just second thought. Yeah. And there was such a push and pull there growing up because our parents weren't sure about it either. And so it was like extremely limiting screen time. And then also they were discovering, oh my gosh, I can distract my kid and get stuff done. Like here, take an iPad. But I feel like I got to see that the technology advanced too. You know, I lucked out and got a flip phone when I was like eight years old. Whereas like, you know, uh, toddlers now can operate an iPad. So I don't know. It's interesting. I think we were all kind of figuring it out as we go. And yeah, maybe my generation is a little bit more technologically advanced, but I think we had to learn as the technology advanced, whereas, yeah, younger generations are going to be like, oh, this is totally no thought at all. I know how to function with this. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, oh, I remember the time when I went to, you know, uh, yeah, my two-year-old, three-year-old to help me. figure out how to turn something on or work it, you know, and it's like, oh, that's great. But I think there's this attitude too from older people where we almost put this, it almost feels like an attitude where we're then scapegoating, like saying you're entitled or something. Well, I didn't have a phone until I was such and such an age and I didn't do this. So kind of like there's something wrong with this generation when it's just the way it is, you know, and we're actually have, we have to actually take accountability for that, not put it on the <laughs> the younger crowd and be like, it's kind of your fault if you want this phone or this technology. It's like, who wouldn't? You, you freaking invented it. <laughs> You're the reason it exists. Like we grew up with it, but I, I wasn't making iPhones when I was six years old, you know, so that's, it's a funny thing too. Is funny way, and we've basically played. invalidated the landline. So it's like, what other option for communication for? And we now communicate on a global level. So it's not like calling your neighbor to hang out. It's also your connection to the whole world. So yeah, my, what other choice do young kids have but to want it? Right, and even things like I remember my high schooler a couple of years ago going, "I need my phone because my volleyball team gives gives out their text alerts. I need to know what's going on. I need to know when we have practice, where it is." And I'm like, "Oh shit!" You know, like this is kind of a mandatory thing now for communicating, mm-hmm. and we've created it. We yeah. created it. We wanted it to be easier. We wanted to expand 
technology, but yeah, at what at what cost, right? Um, there's there's two sides to everything. There's there's the benefits, and then there's there's consequences with everything, especially technology. Yeah, again, I think it's how we help our young people and ourselves find healthy balance. Mm-hmm. And I think it's funny because a lot of adults are kind of preaching this. You guys are spoiled because you have it while they're numbing away on their devices at home, not engaging with their children. And so we have, it's it's a universal problem. TikTok was the best thing that happened to me in 2020. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it helped me get through a pandemic. Right? I know. I mean, I don't know what I would have done. That's, yeah. That is where I was spending my time. And I say it all the time, but it's like I can't shame that. That was no. that was my lifeline. There can be this level of social interaction and support through technology. There can be those benefits. Mm-hmm. Well, we didn't really get to talk too much about growing up, so maybe we'll have to do that. Part two. Part two. <laughs> but, you know, what do you think, at least in a more universal sense, parents need to be more mindful of? in this age and what kinds of things are we failing at, you know? Ah, that That's tough. I think, yeah, I mean, this is the informational age and we've all literally got the world at our fingertips. I mean, you can figure anything out by just looking down at your phone and, you know, it's got such a huge impact on everyone, even, even religion. I mean, got a huge wave of people leaving the church and I think it's important to give your kids credit that they're gonna see things they're gonna discover things either way I mean it's just so easy to to learn things nowadays and give your kids credit that they can do that and that they're educating themselves essentially we're all being educated slowly every day even more there's there's never a limit to to things we can learn and you know, we need to trust them with it. Yeah, I think I think we do need to trust our kids with it and have open conversation, too. I mean, as much as my generation uses social media and technology and platforms, I got to be honest, my partner and I, we've deleted all social media in like 2019. I, d- I maybe get on Facebook occasionally, I, but I don't have any any social media, to be honest, and feels kind of hypocritical with my generation. But, you know, I made that conscious decision for myself because I didn't like how certain things were affecting me. But I still, you know, I still think there are great platforms that are sharing good information and... Yeah, we just need to have open conversation. We need to trust our kids that they can make these decisions. And yeah, I mean, I think a lot of what I talk about with some clients are just even recognizing and staying curious about the the harmful messages, right? Because yes. there is the dark side to that too. And, and there are harmful messages. And even just the thing we get a lot is a very doctored sense of people's lives. You know, we get them portraying their lives as these amazing, filtered, magical, perfect, you know, perfect home, perfect children, whatever. And we compare. And so I think there's dangers in that, that Mm -hmm. we compare, Mm -hmm. but that we also are trusted to feel it out, to feel around in this, I think muddy space and decide 
where our balance needs to be. Right. Yeah. Internet can be equally as bad as it is good, but that's just like everything else. And I think we're all still just figuring it out. We're all just figuring life out. So, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it was a great discussion on the generational differences and I don't know, so many different struggles that I think our young people are facing. Yeah. You know, so mm -hmm. thanks for sharing. <laughs> and Mariah, we'll have you back for part two. Yes, definitely. All right. Thank right. you.